From the Summit Restaurant and Bar at Levy Finland Panorama Lodge, I'm George Thomas. This is our 2023 Interski Series, and what a great guest. We have Klaus Rosted, who was our keynote speaker at the opening ceremonies. Klaus, really enjoyed your presentation, and I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you, George. I couldn't ask for a better intro than that. Well, you know, I, I looked you up on the web and Dangerous. found that you are a mix of Mick Jagger, <laughs> Lady Gaga, and my memory is bad. Who's the third? <laughs> it's, it's a client who said that. It, it, it's the it's the client uh, comment that I'm most proud of. He says a, a mix of Mick Jagger, Lady Gaga, and Thor. Thor. That's, I can live I with that. Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I can live with that. So, of course, it's top of my webpage. <laughs> well, you had a great message about the guest experience. And the theme of inner ski is, you know, that's everything about the person's visit to a resort. But it's more than that, isn't it? So essentially, I, I come from the world of experience design, looking at the life through an experience design lens. And essentially, it's when it comes down to it, everything that we do and sell and talk about is, at its core, human experience. And that especially is interesting when you're looking at industries trying to change, adapt, or just sell more or have more impact. Because at the end of the day, you're selling experiences, you're creating experiences. You're not selling the shoe, you're selling the ability to walk comfortably. If we look at like very simply put, right? The reason radio broke through wasn't when people realized that they could hear the news because nobody wanted that. It was when they found out they could listen to live sports. It wasn't the radio as the product or as the technology. It was the experience of getting to hear sports games live. Fun side story. But the world is full of that, that when you start looking at the world through an experience design lens, then of course, everything becomes about the experience. Well, let's kind of get into the experience because I always take it as a huge compliment when someone takes the time to fill out a survey or, you know, guest response and they leave positive comments because it's very easy for people to have a memorable experience that is not good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and memorable. that's when you really hear from people. <laughs> Mem- there's a standing joke in kind of customer service that you only get five-star reviews and one-star reviews because nobody else cares enough to actually tell you what's going on because why should they? You hear from the raving fans and the people who really did not like it because, as you say, a memorable experience is not necessarily a good one, but a good one has to be memorable. Exactly. Love the way you said that. And you were sharing a story in your speech about uh, some bad experiences that the company took and and actually turned into good ones. Is that something that we should kind of look at in our, our training and skills and everything? There's a tendency out there when people start a business or when they run a business you want to sell to everyone. You want to do your product for everyone. When you when you talk to entrepreneurs or people who are trying to expand, they'll usually say, oh, we want this and this and this and this and this customer group, where the reality is nothing is for everyone. And in this case, the example I use was from Snowbird, which is a ski resort in Utah, in the US. And what they did was they took some one-star reviews they'd gotten because not everybody liked what they had what they had to offer. And then they turned those into advertising. They said, this one-star review, we said, one star, there are no easy runs. They said, well, the crowd we try to attract, they don't want easy runs. To them, this is a bonus. 
it's it's an age-old thing. There's an old, old text. There's an old advertising text. It's a classic in advertising that is about, it, it basically says, uh, hardy young men wanted, very low risk of survival, probably one-way mission, blah, 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 go to, I think it's the North Pole or something like that. It's completely crazy. Now, any rational human being would say, okay, this is how to not attract people. They got more than 5,000 applications for that. Based off, I think it's like 19th century newspaper. It's, it's the details evade me, but it's something like that. And the same was had recently when there was a, do you want to go to Mars? You won't get back, you'll never see your family again, you'll die on Mars. It's a one-way ticket to crazy town but you might just leave a small imprint on history and it's gonna be a challenge like no other. How many applicants do you think they got for that? I have no idea. Insane amounts, insane amounts. Sadly, the project collapsed, it never happened. It turns out going to Mars is not that easy, especially as a commercial project. <laughs> but insane amounts of people said willingly, yes, I want the challenge. Now, if you try to attract people like me, 43, small daughter of five, struggling with life in general, but also pretty happy with where I am. That's not gonna attract me. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty okay not going on a one-way mission to Mars, but there are plenty of people where they saw this, this is for me. And at its core, the experience that you try to sell or you try to convey or you try to impress on someone, that has to attract what they want. That has to be something that speaks to them. And we are so different as humans that one person's one star is another person's five star. So say you're in a lesson with me. Yes. And we're working on your skiing and I'm just picking up from you that there's not a connection. I'm just not getting through to you. What What are some things that we can do when, when maybe we're having a bit of a rocky time, we can turn that into an opportunity? say, hey Klaus, let's do a short minute break. We've been together now for 20 minutes and you're pretty decent on those skis, but I feel that I'm doing something wrong here. So I'm going to ask you outright, what motivates you? Are you motivated by the challenge? Are you motivated by the comfort? Are you motivated by the ease, by the accomplishment? What makes you tick? Because I'm usually good with people, you say, because you probably are, that's my guess. And you say, but here, I'm, I'm a little bit drawing a blank, so I'm gonna ask you, what, what motivates you? And then the person can either say, uh, I don't know, and then you've lost nothing, or they can say, you know what? I want it hard, so all this easy-peasy, namby-pamby stuff you're doing, forget that, I want to be challenged. I'd rather break a leg than not try anything new. Then you can go, oh, I'm so glad you told me. Let's go off-piste. Or they say, you know what, I don't really like this American chitty-chatty, everything's wonderful style. I'm from Finland. And then you go, oh, how about I just stop talking and just give you instructions? There, there's so many ways that you can interact with other people even in something like a ski instructor session. And often we have an idea of what people want, but we don't always know. And a good first step is just to ask them, especially adults. They tend to know what they like. And if you can create an atmosphere of trust, even if it's not connection, you can still have trust. Now, I like how you said, especially adults, because how can we attract, or how can we make that connection when, say, a parent comes in or sometimes an overbearing partner <laughs> who is 
telling us this is what this person needs rather than that person actually speaking. Then, again, many ways to do it, but one example is to say, you know what, that's awesome. There's nothing better than having somebody around to hold your hand and guide you. But we've found from experience with other thousands of lessons run that it's actually pretty nice to separate the support person from the other because something may come out that you never thought of. So I'm just going to do 10 minutes alone with X person and then, uh, then we'll rejoin you. How does that sound? And then they may say no. I will never do this or that, and then, okay, then you're back to square one. But again, trying these micro tricks, I call them, and then some of them work and some of them don't. And if you have five or six of these kinds of interactions up your sleeve, well, if you run through that, consider it like a hand of playing cards, you may not <laughs> hit everything, but you're gonna hit something. So as a skill, what are some things that we can look for in ourselves to become better at really connecting with people? So the ironic thing about it's a beautiful question. The ironic thing about that is we tend to think of these things as super complex because humans are complex. But at its core, there's some things that are so, so simple. And, and this is a story from a good friend who was teacher of the year at his high school four years out of seven. So really good teacher, really appreciated by the students. Then he and some co, well, what do you call them, uh, co-workers, decided let's do a little bit of research, not, not a big thing, but let's do a little bit of research and find out what makes the students choose one teacher over the other for teacher of the year. And they had all sorts of ideas. Is it because they're passionate or friendly or is it because they're hardworking or is, why is it? Do they have good stories? And they found out there was one thing that overwhelmingly led to being evaluated to being a good teacher. One thing. Guess. Get three guesses. Oh boy. <laughs> the one kind of significant, statistically significant thing. Ability to empathize with the student. Ah, good idea. Not that. Go on. But it's a good answer. Um, genuinely care about the student. Also a good answer. Also not real. Well, it's a factor, but not, but not that relevant. All right, my confidence is shaken. No, <laughs> um, I don't know. You're doing it right now, smiling. Really? It's that easy. And those teachers, they looked at those numbers and they tried to deny them because it attacked everything they knew about their own professionalism. And then some of them accepted it and said, you know what, ouch. But on the other hand, nice. <laughs> because it turns out, if you want to make the students think you're a good teacher, all sorts of things matter. But the thing that matters the most was that you smiled a lot. So I was making it more difficult. So <laughs> you were... And, and again, we tend to look for complex answers. I'm not saying that you can just show up and you don't know what end of a ski is up and you don't have any people skills, you just smile a lot. But all other things being equal, that smile in many cultures, not every culture, in many cultures, is such a strong connector. Now, of course, if you go to some other, some cultures where this is not the case, they'll have their own version of that. But finding those, let's call them experience design tips and using them, very simple. So the first thing you do when you show up is say, hi, 
it's great to meet you. And uh, there are tons of tips on this online, so I'm not, I'm not going to bore your listeners with, with going into detail, but just to show that sometimes when you look at things closely, you find answers are both much simpler and much harder to accept than you might think. It's interesting with the smile to me because if you bring some of life's toughness with you to, to work or whatever and, and you're having a tough time smiling, a non-genuine smile can be seen through pretty easily. Oh yeah, 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 and I think part of that, and of course the students didn't say that in this example, but I think part of it is it has to be a genuine smile, or it has to feel like a genuine smile. We, we know, I, you've, you've met actors and politicians, and that the professional smile, some of them do it badly, they do it and the smile doesn't reach their eyes and you think, okay, you don't care about anything but whatever you're doing and I'm just an obstacle on the way. But a lot of these people, they have this professional bringing people at ease. The professional smile, I've, I've sometimes seen it referred to. And it's real, it's a thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, very much so. If you hang out with, with A-list actors or politicians or people who are very much in the public eye, they have this ability to just turn on the charm and make it either it is genuine or it feels genuine enough that it doesn't matter. So, Klaus, what was it that really appealed to you about speaking to a bunch of instructors? So, first off, as a professional keynote speaker, I speak a lot of different places. I think I had 60 speaking gigs last year. I also do my own events, some consulting, that sort of stuff. So, so this is what I do. But, with that said, what really appealed to me here was, one, I could bring my family to Levy, which is a beautiful winter wonderland, which is amazing. I, daughter said after day one, I love it here, I never want to leave, which will create problems tomorrow, but was a nice sentiment. Second is getting to stand outside in the snow, talking to a thousand people from 34 different nationalities. I mean, I do a lot of speaking, but I don't do a lot of speaking like that. I couldn't pass that up. So of course I didn't. It was great having you here. Any words of wisdom for conclusion? Yes. Last piece, or, or maybe even only piece of wisdom I'll add in this is that whatever you do, whether you're a ski instructor or a banker or a policeman or you do Hollywood movies or you lay bricks, take some time every week, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, take a little bit of time to sit down with somebody who you work with or somebody who cares about your work and talk about why do we do this? What is in this? Take a little bit of a step back and talk about the work, not the what needs to be done, but what is the work? What excites you? What is needed? What could we change? Just look at it from a little bit of a helicopter perspective because it doesn't matter if you've done 8,000 podcast interviews or if you've done 20 years of lawyering or if you've built 50 houses by hand. Taking that step back once in a while and asking yourself, some questions about your work. It's hugely fruitful, because without that, we just end up in the grind. With that, we sometimes go, oh, I guess I could change this. Oh, I guess this has changed, or I guess I'm not who I was, or I guess I am who I was. But it leads to both more satisfaction on the personal level and also to better job performance and more fun. Bob Rostad, it's been a pleasure visiting with you. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us on First Chair. Thank you, George. From Interski 2023 at the uh, bar and restaurant, Panorama Lodge, I'm George Thomas. <laughs>